Hello, and welcome to episode 12 of the Fierce Calling podcast. I'm your host, author, blogger, and speaker, Dara Swift. This podcast is about a community of women who are taking action where their passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. They are answering God's call and using their gifts to impact the world for Christ. I hope their stories will encourage you and other women to take action, walk in your fierce calling, and use your gifts to impact the world for Christ. In today's episode, I'm talking with my wonderful friend, Judy Herman. Judy is a licensed professional counselor and mental health service provider in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Judy's story includes a devastating divorce, a dark season in her second marriage due to her husband's bipolar disorder, and a heartbreaking experience at age 16. Through it all, God led her on a path to freedom, wholeness, and the rediscovery of her authentic self. Through all her experiences and training, she's now helping others find their way back to their authentic selves. Hear about her acronym AIR, A-I-R, how dance has more than one meaning, and what she wants to share with you. Plus, she's offering a special bonus to Fierce Calling listeners at the end. Listen in while I have a chat with Judy Herman. Welcome to another episode of the Fierce Calling podcast. And I have a treat for you today. I have my friend with me, Judy Herman. She is a um, licensed professional counselor, mental health service provider in Tennessee, and she specializes in relationships. She has an awesome book that came out not long ago, Beyond Messy Relationships. And I had the pleasure of meeting Judy through the Tribe Writers Writing Community, and I've spent some time with her at the Tribe Writers Conferences, and she's a joy, and she's just full of energy and excited to help people who are experiencing messy relationships. So welcome, Judy. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much, Doris. I feel so very honored to be on your podcast. You have had some remarkable women already and remarkable guests. So you are doing a, a, an awesome job. So I'm, I'm very honored to be here. Thanks. Oh, thank you. Yeah, praise God. He is just doing amazing things and um, allowing women to share their story in order to encourage other women, inspire them to share their story and to use their gifts and take action where God's calling them to serve. And how exciting, you know, we'll get into a couple of other things, but that your book is a top finalist for the best memoir at the Author Academy Awards. That's no small thing, girlfriend. <laughs> uh, I know. I was so, I was so shocked number one. Mm -hmm. And uh, just really uh, just praising God. My story, yeah. it needed to come out. It is my memoir. I show up as a therapist at the beginnings of each of the chapters. Mm -hmm. And it was a very scary thing to write. Mm -hmm. And then for it to get this award, I feel very blessed. But it's not it's not just my story, Doris. Mm -hmm. it, it's a very intense and dramatic story. And it has a storyline, so you can get really hooked into the story. Mm -hmm. But yet, it's it's it has a very universal appeal because all of us we go through messes in our lives, yeah. and some of us live in messier relationships than others. But mm -hmm. um, but God has met me there in the midst of relationship, mm -hmm. and it's it's been a remarkable journey. Yeah, I remember. I think it was when I was interviewing with Abby. How she brought out the fact that when you're writing a book. God has you living the message, like you live through the message when you're writing your book and when you're, you know, sharing 
what your heart is and wanting to help other people because our story is for that purpose oftentimes so that others can say, hey, that person went through this and here they are and this is how they did it and this is how I can find hope as well. So what I generally ask, where you're taking action, where your passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. So where is it that your heart began to feel led by God to get into this field that you're in? and writing this book and all those things. Wow. And that certainly is a journey. I cannot tell you that it was one point in time, Doris, Mm -hmm. because I, and I think uh, when you had Danielle on your program, she was talking about this process and we are in this process of change. And that is, I so resonate with that. Mm -hmm. My story does begin um, really in the very beginning when I'm born, but my, my conscious memories. And so you are so right about writing the book and it being a process and a journey and finding yourself in this journey has been so true. Um, now I can, I've got a lot to my story. <laughs> I'm trying to think of where I need to start. But uh, so I want to give an overview, first of all, of so that your listeners know a little bit of who I am and how, how I did become a counselor. I've not always been a counselor. And in fact, my it's actually a second career for me. My first career is raising four children who are all adults now. And the remarkable human beings is what I call them. <laughs> Glory even though to God. we're all flawed, even though we're all flawed, right? <laughs> but um, so my first career was raising the children in a very troubled marriage that ended after 29 years, so three decades mm-hmm. of my life, and then coming to a place, Doris, of in my con- very conservative Christian faith, and trying to put my life into this model of, um, and the roles that we've taught, been taught that Mm -hmm. husbands are to be this and wives are to be that. I had, that really came to a head through all of this. Now through my journey of a troubled marriage and raising children and homeschooling them and, and all of this and, and praying and asking God, okay, it's this season of my life that there's going to be a breakthrough. I did write in prayer journals and that has been my Well, I guess you could call it fertile ground. When I was confused in my marriage and I went to God, it was through my writing, but it was very private, very, very Mm -hmm. private. So, um, so then the marriage ended and if, and so I'm dealing with all kinds of things and I figured I'm going to spend a lot of money on counseling anyway. I might as well spend money on my education, which I did get counseling don't, and, <laughs> and spiritual direction and a bunch of other things. Mm-hmm. But I do now have this degree because it had been like a good 10 years mm-hmm. that of the last 10 years of my marriage that was basically on, you know, in a comatose state life support. And I knew I needed to care for myself and my children and provide. Mm-hmm. And then my husband I mean, my husband that I'm married to now, I did remarry, and he has bipolar disorder. Mm. We met through ballroom dancing, and I thought, oh, now I've got the love of my life. This is a partnership I've always dreamed of. And here I am, we talked very thoroughly, and realizing what a remarkable man he was to have managed his bipolar disorder for years Mm -hmm. and had not had an episode in like over a decade and thought that we were well prepared. And then four and a half years into the marriage, when I was actually writing my prayer journals about how happy and connected and partnered I felt, then the, um, the nightmare happened. 
it was a, I experienced, we experienced um, that I didn't even expect in here. I'm a mental health service provider. It's kind of like, oh, I should have seen the signs, but I was a wife and I Mm -hmm. didn't see the signs. I thought it was a spiritual awakening and the energy that my husband was having. What happened was that he went into a psychotic state, a season of psychosis for six weeks. uh, My life fell apart. And in my darkest days, when uh, I was, I I just was suffocating Mm -hmm. and I needed to breathe in air and meeting God in the midst of that. And and so here's what I've done. AIR, A-I-R, stands Mm -hmm. for awareness, intentionality, and risk. And I needed to write this book. We are doing better now, spoiler alert. (laughs) When people read it, it's my memoir. They're going to have a lot of mystery. They're probably going to read it now. Are they still together (laughs) or not? But but spoiler alert, yes, we are together. We've been married for 10 years. We have healed from that. But it has been a a really a tremendous journey. Um, And when I wrote my book, I thought, oh, my gosh. My clients might read it, and then they're going to say, and why are we seeing her as our therapist? But the opposite has been true. It has, it has given life. It has been transformative for me because when I was writing it, Doris, I did not know if my marriage was viable. Mm-hmm. And, I, and then I wrote it, and I thought, oh, my gosh, uh, will I still be a therapist after this? Yeah. Will people trust me anymore? But it has really uh, brought it into um, some deep places in my clients' lives and in other people's lives. I mean, people whom I've never met before. One of my readers said, Judy, I feel like I'm getting therapy from you by reading your book and I'm not even paying you for it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It it just had to be written. It was just one of those things. And so there it is. It's out in the world. (laughs) That's amazing. And I love that you were so vulnerable because- I think oftentimes we do have that fear. Like we want to present ourselves as we're good. We have it all together, especially in your role as a therapist and how sweet that God has used that in an opposite way than you originally thought. It's like you be obedient, step out and share your story and how I'm working in your life and giving glory to God. And then he just works it all together for good, like that scripture in Romans, you know, 828. So, but I love that you um, share that with your clients and how they're responding, that they're responding so positively. It is, it, you know, it, it, uh, it does take them to a place of being able to be okay with examining those deeper, darker places of their lives. Mm. So I do want to share with your ladies because, you know, here we are. Oh, I'm making an assumption that most of your audiences that's listening is women and that may not be the case. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I was doing, all right, let me just back up a little bit because that was the catalyst for me writing the book. But years before that, uh, and it was a a very, um, well, just meeting God seemed like nowhere. I was hiding and had this deep, dark place of shame that I became very skilled at denying and moving on with my life. Mm. And that, so again, this is, another spoiler alert in the book. (laughs) Uh, I hope I don't, I hope I don't discourage you from reading it. But anyway, um, I had to face my shame. I was married and had been married with my first husband Mm -hmm. for nine years. I had two little girls and I woke up one day and I thought, what am I doing here? It was like I was in 
the twilight zone. So for those of you that remember what the twilight zone is, maybe there's a lot of younger listeners, I don't know, but I thought I was in this out-of-body experience, but what I had to face was the very darkness and, and the deep secret of having had an abortion when I was 16 years old. Mm. My going through that was it, the catalyst then of, of me getting involved in my pregnancy center um, doing post-abortion recovery work way before I even mm. thought of becoming a counselor. Wow. And when I was leading uh, post-abortion recovery groups and retreats, there's a retreat called Rachel's Vineyard. It's really powerful and remarkable. And I later became the director of our post-abortion ministry. I was exposed to so many hurting people and not just women, men. Mm. And I, I you know, worked with couples and I realized that abortion and abortion recovery does not come in this neat little package mm -hmm. where you go through this post-abortion recovery program and everything else is, I'll say the word hunky-dory. I know that's not very professional to say, mm -hmm. but there's more. There's layers and there's layers. Now, what I've learned, the post-abortion work that I did for myself, uh, it was transformative. I mean, it was likely more transformative as an adult and my Christian journey and meeting God and mm -hmm. the transformation there, opening up doors wide for ministry and for my own growth than it was, of course, when I'm a nine-year-old child and having accepted Christ. So this journey continues to grow. Mm -hmm. And it was through that, that was that very uh, time and season in my life. And I was doing public speaking and sharing my testimony and very involved in the post-abortion and uh, crisis pregnancy center and all of that. Um, that's where I, I experienced the most grace-filled ministry ever, I think, in my life. And then I became a counselor and I, I needed to provide for my family. And it has also, it's kind of like every day I go to my office and it is like meeting God it's sacred space mm -hmm. and being a part of what God is doing in people's lives. I love working with couples. I absolutely love group work, but it's in the space of those relationships, Doris, that mm -hmm. has been so transformative and I get to be a part of it. It's That's just exciting. It's awesome. It's yeah. so exciting to be a part of kingdom work that God is using you in that. And it really is a ministry of healing. It's a ministry of healing people, their relationships and the brokenness that they've gone through and just healing for the soul. And it's, you know, God is using your ministry work really, because I know that it is referred to as a career. It, it is ministry, you know, anything that we're doing to the glory of God and for helping other people is ministry work and kingdom work. And I also really wanted to bring out, which was really cool how you first said your first career was raising your children. Yes. Because absolutely. that was, that's so important to remember that, you know, that is an important job. It's an important calling that God has called, you know, some too. And so thank you for sharing that. That's very encouraging. And Wow. Just the story. And, and it's okay if you do spoiler alerts for, with your book, because you know, there's authors that give away chapters, you know, for free, yeah. but it, it's exciting because even though you're telling us what's going on in the book, it still would compel someone to want to read the whole story because we're listening and there's so many facets to it. And so many different facets of your story that I know so many can relate to. 
Absolutely. I do want to tell you, even though, so I have journaled for years Mm -hmm. and I've had, I had like four decades of journals with which I could reference and go back. And there were stories that came out in that. So if, Mm -hmm. I don't know if any of your listeners journal, it is such a very good mentally healthy thing Mm -hmm. to do when you put your thoughts and feelings out there. And even if Nobody else reads it, but it really is good mental health practice, number one. But number two, I realize, you know, some folks might write their memoirs and it's, it reads like a journal. Mine does not. In fact, I, uh, every little detail in the book is there for a reason and a purpose. And uh, I did have a, a gal from um, New York, Marion Roach Smith. She was wonderful mm-hmm. in helping me structure wise and being my writing coach. So I, it, it has been a remarkable experience. And then I, I've come away from this. It's been, it's been a journey. There's no doubt. Um, I've come away believing that every therapist or anybody who works deeply in anybody else's life in the healing ministry, you will benefit so much. I think everybody needs to write their own memoirs. I mean, for their own mental health, whether they uh, publish it or not, but it would be experience alone of writing. I got to the point where I was looking, I got up in the morning and I was so looking forward to writing. And and I don't know if that was just a season that God had me in while I was finishing the book, but Mm -hmm. it it was very purposeful. Wow. Well, that's exciting. And there's some free therapy right there, right? (laughs) Right. Right. Journal, write out your feelings. And it doesn't mean that anybody has to see it, but you and God. That's right. And I know there's so many things too that I've reflected on. So I'm at this stage in my life. My husband and I are at the um, emptiness stage. And so we've got grandkids and it is like, that's a divine stage. And I know that you know what that's like, right, Doris? Uh, Yes, I do. That's like, (laughs) you know, you don't, you can't even fathom what that season is like. But but to look back uh, at a time when I was a young mom and there was no internet, but there was just the scriptures and the scripture that has really been so alive to me has been Philippians 4, 8, 9, to think on the things that are true and right and just and of good report, things that are virtuous and praiseworthy. Mm-hmm. That has been a constant in my life. Well, now that I am a mental health service provider and a therapist uh, and learning about neuroscience, that is so true neuro, uh, when it comes to our bodies and how God designed us to be the human brain will have a bias toward negativity. Mm. And I think it's a pretty remarkable thing that God told us to, to think on these things because the neurons of the brain, when you think a positive thought, mm-hmm. it will slide off like Teflon unless you ponder it for 15 seconds. Whereas a wow. negative thought on that very same neuron will stick like Velcro. That's Isn't fascinating. That amazing? Wow. That's, yeah. You can read more of Rick Hansen's book. He's, mm-hmm. uh, that's where I'd gotten that illustration to me. It's very powerful. Mm-hmm. But, but if you're in your relationship, if it's 50-50 negative and positive, you're way off. <laughs> or if, you're po- if your thoughts are going toward the negative, and mm-hmm. it's so human to be that way, right? right. We, have to, we can train our brains and our, I mean, that's what, that's what renewing the mind is all about as well. Right? Yeah, it is mm-hmm. so biblical because God created us and he knows how that all works. And so just having that knowledge and wisdom that he wants to give us through his word and through words from you and those that he has been given that calling, you know, to study mm-hmm. those things. I know um, similarly, I was 
I was listening to, I guess it was Dr. Leaf about the switch on your brain book. Mm -hmm. And I remembered Mm -hmm. hearing a similar thing that uh, your thoughts can create physical changes. It's like, so pardon the pun, mind blowing. (laughs) It is mind blowing. (laughs) And you know what the brain is called neuroplasticity. The brain is plastic and even our relationships will change our brains right? And, yeah. and what you think on and what you dwell on and your experiences and how you feel things in your body. I want to go back to what I had mentioned earlier as far as my story goes mm-hmm. and as far as also my con- very conservative Christian upbringing. Uh, just to let people know, this is so very important. It can be so very freeing. We tend to judge ourselves very harshly. At, at like, okay, I'm in my, you know, I'm 63 right now. I don't, I don't care about people knowing that. My mom says, don't ever tell people your age, but <laughs> I don't care. I don't, I'm 63. I've learned a lot. And it's like the best part of my life actually. <laughs> uh, but when I was 16, so if I judge myself and judge that 16 year old self harshly, now I've gone through the grief and God has forgiven me, you know, from that, uh, that very dark time. Mm-hmm. But also here's something else. Like our brains are not totally online until we are in our mid twenties. Like we do not have insight, uh, wisdom or anything. It's impossible. Right. And so you can have some grace for yourself. Right. And our brains are constantly changing And the way that we think at this decade in our life or, or this year in our life should be very different than previous decades and previous years. So what would you say and how can we learn how to love ourselves as God loves us? Because what we have is we have a very small uh, view of ourselves. And I've got my hands together here, kind of like if you were to imagine a pie, you know, that's 100% pie. And then there's a very tiny slice of that pie that we think is our whole selves. Mm. And what happens is, is it's a negative and it's harsh. It's like we've got this harsh self-talk going on that, that's just so automatic and we don't even know it. Mm. But God has the whole pie to show us, mm. right? The whole pie. The, uh, there's so much more about us that is beautiful and loving. And we are people of dignity and worth and value. That is my core message throughout, mm-hmm. I think just through, I, I think I've really gotten a hold of, this is my purpose and my core message yeah. to honor the dignity and value and worthiness of every human being and especially every human being in relationship. Because I do deal with a lot of folks with this toxic pattern of power over. And, um, but anyway, that's, that's my message. There's been a purpose in my messy relationships. Yeah. It's so beautiful how you were describing all of that. And so elaborate a little bit more when you were referring to power over, what would, um, does that mean? Well, okay. I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) All right. So when a Christian couple, especially a Christian couple, okay, I'm not really, okay. We just need to examine. I'm not down on Christianity or conservative Christians. So I just want to make sure that you know that. But a Christian couple will walk down the aisle and the preacher will say, who gives this, you know, husband and wife, you know, he'll, he'll announce them, have them turn around and as husband and wife, and, and they get the message, we two are one, mm. but they turn around and they say, and one of them will say, and I'm the one. Mm. So the other one is kind of like orbits around the one that is the one. Huh. 
Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And so that's where we have the power over and, and in a very patriarchal system, not just in our society and culture, politics, but also in our churches where, okay, woman is to be submissive and, and have this lesser role mm-hmm. and uh, the man is the head of the house. I, I might be really raising up a bunch of red flags <laughs> with you or with the audience, but what I'm saying is, is that it's a toxic pattern when, and, and I see people like after 30 years of marriage, a woman comes in and she doesn't know who she is. Mm-hmm. She does not know her authentic self. Yeah. I think that we can, um, we can have what you call quote unquote biblical marriages, but we need to honor each other mm-hmm. and make sure that you are partners and yeah. not one powering over the other. Because once that woman finds out who she is mm-hmm. uh, and, and she doesn't orbit around the, the other one's you know, orbit, she gets Mm -hmm. out and she explores who she is. Well, then it can cause some real problems in the marriage. And so we want to honor the otherness of the other person, the other's differences. Yeah. I totally get what you're saying. It's, it's like a not you're under my thumb kind of thing, you know, it's almost bullying or keeping someone down and back from being able to use the gifts that God's given them to fulfill what he's called them to do because each of us, he has plans for each one of us. And so if we have a couple that's married, there's still individual plans for each one, right? So that's right. And you encourage them in that. And I I do want to recognize too. So my husband now has bipolar disorder. I had to really separate what is the disorder? What are symptoms of the disorder versus what is what I felt, you know, as the power over thing that mm-hmm. was going on. So separating the, uh, the relationship and the relationship pattern versus the illness and how to partner together uh, in life. I mean, you need to partner together in life, in your health and your well-being and the raising of your children and all of that. Now, none of us have perfect marriages and we all have differences, right? Mm-hmm. Some of them, uh, some of us struggle more than others, but uh, the struggle is, is meeting God in the midst of that. If you can be more aware of who you are, and again, I use this acronym of breathing in fresh air, aware of your values and who you are and your purpose, and mm-hmm. then be intentional, making plans. Now, I mean, when you're aware, uh, you don't want to just sit on that. You can't. I can't ever go backwards. None of us can ever go backwards and not be aware of the things we are aware of. And so what are we going to do? Well, the R is the risk. The risk is absolutely necessary for growth. When you take risk and when you're vulnerable, you don't know what the outcome of that's going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my first marriage, I experienced incidences of rejection from people in the church and leaders in the church, when I myself have been leaders and a Sunday school teacher and all of that. So, mm-hmm. so we've got to really, it, it's painful. It's painful to go through things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when, you, when you're aware of your purpose and that God is leading you through this, and this is an invitation to your authentic self, uh, God honors that. But yeah. a lot of people will not understand it. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. It's like trusting him with your story and trusting him even when there is judgment from others and just to know that God fights for us and, you know, he's the lifter of our head. And so that it's really encouraging how you are helping people to navigate difficult situations, especially speaking to uh, the bipolar, you know, that's so difficult. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that are struggling with family or spouses uh, or even themselves that 
are going through that so that there's still hope no matter what there there is hope no matter what and um our family systems are are pretty interesting <laughs> mm-hmm. it's interesting and and also being raised in the or i raised my children at least in the uh, belt buckle of the bible belt south right and very very conservative things so uh mm-hmm. and then one of my sons had moved out to seattle well he's really opened my eyes to looking at the culture that he was raised in Mm -hmm. and it's made me think and both of us then have had these remarkable conversations so going back to neuroplasticity and our beliefs and our set and rigid beliefs many times rigid beliefs are not healthy and and we've got to test that we've got to grow and meet god in the midst of that Mm -hmm. and what we have believed that has been gospel or absolute truth uh, be willing. And God, God's big enough to handle our doubts, right? Yeah. Actually, I believe that doubts, if you don't have any doubts as a Christian, I'm not sure how, how very secure or even deep your faith is. It is mm-hmm. okay to doubt and it's okay you know, to, to grow in that. We, mm-hmm. we need to, and that's how God has honored or has designed us to be in our bodies. Yeah. yeah. To question and to go to him and say, help my unbelief. Like, I don't, you know, I don't understand this or help me, um, help me to navigate this particular road or these doubts that I'm struggling with. But you're right, because when there are doubts, it causes people to seek. I mean, we hear time and again, where those that are in um, maybe a different belief system, they just believe, 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 because that's what they were taught. But then all of a sudden, one day they start to question And that leads them on a path of discovery. And God says, when you seek, you'll find. And so that is a way that people come to him and find him through questioning and not just taking everything with a grain of salt. You know, it's, it's deeper than that, isn't it? So it it really is. I just want to give a little example. So when I was a child uh, and was an accepted Christ and and I was taught, okay, don't let your emotions uh, interfere. It doesn't have anything to do with your salvation. Well, I, I now believe that too much dysfunction happens when you hang on to that belief because our emotions are important. In fact, they are so much a part of us, right? Mm-hmm. And for us to stay heady in our theology and not not welcome God in when we are triggered or when we do have anger or depression or anxiety, that does not mean that you are not a Christian or that you are being, you know, a backslidden Christian. It simply means that something needs to be paid attention to. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's pay attention to what our bodies are telling us. What message does God have us in that? And let's meet God in the midst of that. So I really want to honor um, the, our emotions, that they are so much a part of us. And, uh, but, but there's too many that are not being vulnerable. They're not paying attention to their emotions or they don't know, but we need to be attuned to our entire being, not just our heads yeah. and our, you know, intellectual understanding of God. Does that make sense? It does. And I think that's going to encourage a lot of people because, um, I know that some may not share their emotions or what they're going through because of the fear of uh, being told, well, if you had more faith, this wouldn't be happening. Or if you trusted God enough, you wouldn't have anxiety. You know, so there's a lot of things that um, people will 
be hesitant to admit or to share, but it is healthy to be vulnerable. And off, I mean, of course, you know, it's good to allow the Holy Spirit to lead as to how much you share and who you share it with. Mm-hmm. However, it is good to share because, you know, we cannot create this false life that we're living like you say in your book, your authentic self, you know, you create this false life that you're living and it's just, you, you're able to um, cope because you're not dealing with what's really happening and you're just now just like skimming the surface and you're just, you know, but one little, like you say, trigger could just set the house of cards falling. There, there is some great programs in the church. And um, I think that the celebrate recovery program, is it can be a very authentic place to be real Mm because we go to church, we put on our masks, don't we? Mm -hmm. And, and we uh, fear being known. Well, that's just human to fear that. I mean, that's, but, but, and again, going back to the acronym of the R living our life and living our life abundantly as Christ Mm -hmm. gave us I mean, he sacrificed for us and to live our lives, the best versions of ourselves, it's going to require us to take some risks Mm. and we can get so comfortable and be stagnant, but that's, I want to leave this world (laughs) with a full life, having made an impact of freedom and let God use me however he wants. Yeah. And at this stage, maybe it's easier than it was. You know, I'm sure it is. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. I have this, you know, this different perspective, which is. Um... Judy, and I wanted to also thank you for sharing your story about how you were involved in the pregnancy center. Because I had Donna Jensen on um, and she, she's an executive director of a pregnancy center. So it was kind of cool because I don't remember if I ever heard that part of your story. And so thank you for sharing that because that's going to encourage someone today that was listening to that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that will be the case because I tell you what, when you're willing to take that kind of a risk and get that kind of healing, Mm -hmm. it will open up some doors majorly (laughs) in your life. Yeah. That's so encouraging. And so, and I know in your book too, you talk about a dance. So I wondered if you might yes. mention oh, that. Yes. First of all, my husband and I met through ballroom dancing mm-hmm. and it is in the, and even before, well, while I was going through the divorce, I took uh, ballet lessons and it was where I met God through my experiencing God through my body and dancing. And the verse that was so very about powerful to me is about God, you know, turning your mourning into dancing. It seemed like I had been mourning and I had been, I'd been grieving, like mm-hmm. prolonged grief, not just prolonged grief from the abortion or, but it was, it, it, and I don't even think it was that it was more prolonged grief over my marriage that was dying a slow death. And um, so yeah, just like, and then being part of the post-abortion ministry and yeah. being surrounded by the grief, you know, of others. Mm-hmm. So when I began dancing, it was so, it represented so much for me of meeting God and the fullness of life. And so what I do is I use this analogy of dance because dance and especially partner dancing, ballroom dancing is they're like relationship patterns. Mm -hmm. And we take the relationship patterns from our family of origin early on when our brains are being developed. We learned how to move toward pleasure and away from pain. And we inadvertently take that into our adult relationships. 
when we become aware of those dances, we can do something to change them. And some of the relationship dances we had early in our lives or even early in our marriages no longer need to be in other stages of our marriages and our lives. And you'll learn all of that. It's like really, um, I, I love using that analogy, but it was the movement after feeling so stuck for so long. Yeah. And it was very, um, yeah, I danced before the nuns. I went on a retreat and <laughs> up in Canada and uh, really got out of my, my box, my theological mm -hmm. box, experienced <laughs> God in every part of my being. It was I wonderful. That. <laughs> yeah. And there's just, you know, talk about being joyful and dancing like David danced and, you know, it's all very biblical. And, um, and I just love how you incorporated that into because it's such a great word picture it's such a thing that people could just all relate to you know the dancing and you know what it, especially when i do couples counseling in my office mm -hmm. and there's so much fear around that like there's usually one spouse that drags the other one in and the other one doesn't want to come in because they think they're going to get ganged up on right mm -hmm. and and so right. when i explain their relationship as uh, partners in a synchronized dance they can get that. They get that image. Yeah. It's like when they, when they come in for marriage counseling or relationship counseling, it's the client is the relationship. And how can, how can we honor two human beings in this relationship and change the dance? It's amazing. Yeah. That's so cool because yeah, when you think about dancing too, it's like, all right, yeah, sometimes one partner will take the lead and the other follows, but then it can switch back and forth. But you can't really do it without each other because you'll be just dancing by yourself. That's <laughs> <It's> right. Like, <laughs> so that's, you know, that's a great analogy. And I love that you took ballet because that was always my love, you know, ballet. I took it as a child. And then when I grew up, I kind of got away from it. And then I went back to it as an adult. And it was just really cool to do that, even though it was a little different when you're a little older. But, you know, it's just amazing how God uses what, he's given us to be able to teach other people, you know? I, I've got to share this, uh, Doris. I was raised in a denomination that you don't smoke, you mm -hmm. don't drink, mm -hmm. you don't play cards, mm -hmm. and you do not ever have premarital dancing. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Yeah, no premarital yeah. dancing. Uh, that's cool. So, so I've been liberated. So uh, yes. Girl, you have, but I love, I love that. And, um, and so, and thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to just come on and share your wisdom with us and the things that you've learned and the things that you're teaching others and how you're helping them heal and in the relationships that they have. And, uh, and I would love to have you tell everyone how they can connect with you. Absolutely. And I want to do something extra special just for your audience. All right. I, so you can reach me at judycounselor.com. Mm -hmm. Or if you forget that, think messyrelationships.com. You put in messyrelationships.com, you'll find me. <laughs> and you'll find also my book. I'm going to put up a special page where it's going to be buy one, get one free. So you can buy the book Beyond Messy Relationships through your favorite place to buy books. Mm -hmm. And then I'll have a, a page where you can sign up and get the free one directly from me that I will sign. And that makes a really neat 
thing. Like if you're, if you're a mom that has adult children and you want them, like, do you want to track and, and maybe have some conversations around somebody else's messy relationships? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I do have a set of questions that I can also add to that, but I want to do that where you could buy one, get one free and also some other resources. I do have a relationship stress quiz mm. also that you can just take for free on my website, judycounselor.com. Uh, I am open to speaking engagements. I would love to do more traveling and get my message beyond the four walls of my counseling office. I'm at that stage in my life where I, I want to do that and it yeah. energizes me to do that. So if, especially if you live someplace that's going to be awesome for my husband and I to come and also <laughs> vacation too, we would love to come. Nice. <laughs> and, uh, and I'd be glad to speak for a women's retreat or a leadership yeah. retreat at your church or, um, or whatever events that you have. If you need some keynotes, I've got, and you are a leader um, in your church, I've got one that call, uh, that's um, a keynote named How Messy Relationships Can Make You a Better Leader. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. And I love that because, you know, it's great for marriage retreats or, you know, women's yes. events and things like that. So, Absolutely. yeah. That's yeah. exciting. And thank yeah. you so much for offering the buy one, get one free deal on your book. So basically what they would do, cause I'll put all of your links in the episode notes. So yes. then what people can do is just go to their favorite retailer, buy your book beyond messy relationships. Um, I'll add a couple of links in the notes too, so they can, you know, go right to Amazon and find or whatever. And then once they get a receipt or, you know, proof of their purchase, then they would go to this other page that I can provide that you give me for them Absolutely. to claim their free book that you're going to yeah. sign. That's crazy. And great. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, just also to let you know, the audio version will be coming out soon. I do not mm -hmm. know when, but it's going to come out soon. If you're like me, you consume and read a lot of books, read or listen. Uh, I love to listen to books and podcasts like yours, Doris, but oh, like walking you. in the neighborhood and just listening. Um, so yeah, if you're waiting for that, too. So stay in touch with me. And that way I can let you know when that is released. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Judy. It's been awesome. And I look forward to seeing all that God is doing through your ministry and your writing and your speaking and, you know, just blooming in this. It's just so uh, awesome to see. So well, thank you, Doris. It's been a real pleasure to meet with you and to meet with your awesome and wonderful listeners. So well, yeah. thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much. And we'll talk soon. All right. Thank you, Doris. Thank you. thank you for listening. I hope Judy's story and her message of hope blessed and encouraged you. Besides what Judy does in her professional life, I love how she also shared she used her gifts to serve in lay ministry. All that we do as unto the Lord is part of our fierce calling. We can never discount the value in not only educational experience, but also what God teaches us in all of our experiences. Read more of Judy's story in her book, Beyond Messy Relationships, Divine Invitations to Your Authentic Self. It's available wherever books are sold. And I've provided several links to different retailers in the episode notes. Judy is generously offering Fierce Calling listeners a special bonus. If you buy one copy of her book at your favorite retailer, you can then go to a special link that I have for you in the episode notes and claim an additional copy for free, signed personally by Judy. 
So buy one, get one free, and you have one to keep and one to give to someone who needs to hear Judy's message of hope, healing, and restoration. Connect with Judy at judycounselor.com, her Facebook page, and on Instagram. Those links are also in the episode notes for you. I'd also love to connect with you, so check out my blog at daraswift.com. I also have a free gift for you as well, my ebook, Step Out of Your Doubt and Into Your Calling. The link is in the episode notes, and you can click on it and download it for free. I'd like to leave you with this scripture verse from Hebrews. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Hebrews 10, 24. Friend, we are all on this fierce calling journey together, so let us us spur one another on, encourage each other, and lift each other up through encouragement and prayer. May the Lord continue to abundantly bless you and direct your steps as you walk in the plans that He has for your life. Join me next week when I welcome another woman who is taking action where her passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Until then, have a blessed week, and I'll talk to you soon.